0: Are you ready? Let's make some noise. gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Broad Street Line. We're glad to be back once again in the WPPM studios down here in Center City, Philadelphia. 106.5 FM, WPPM LP, Philadelphia. I'm Roy Burton, and alongside me, as always, my tag team partner, one, Chris Domingo. Mr. Domingo, how are you doing this fine Saturday morning, sir? Roy,
1: I'm doing tremendous. We had to call in our interns, us, yes. to... Uh, to, to get ready for our special guest today, because we always love special guests.
0: This is the summer of try to look professional, by bringing <laughs> in professionals.
1: Okay? No, like, this is our interview for, like, people that, that want to be insane and hire us to do, like... I don't know why people would do that. <laughs> I don't know why
0: anybody would do that. But again, we're trying to learn professionalism through osmosis. So we had to call it, we had to make the move to the bullpen once again, bringing in Pat a Nischak true professional. with
1: his, uh, 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 no, or we could say Kenta Colby
0: kenta colby teak we got teak in the <laughs> number 27 on the program's number one in your hearts from nbc sports philadelphia mark farzetta mark oh how's it going man? when's the special
2: guest get here guys? <laughs> no, 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 i want to meet him or no, her no, no. this is this is all <laughs> Are you they cool this is this is all you <laughs> they're gonna eat the rest of the donuts <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're running three wide temple style today here in the philly camp
2: studios <laughs> that, was, uh,
1: that was he paul palmer he is he is paul palmer
0: um, wow, <laughs> you
2: guys with the names, <laughs> no, no, this is Kenta our Colby in the first 30 seconds of the show.
1: <laughs> that's our niche, we try okay. to stick to our niche so people will be like, Oh, they actually have suffered through 37 and a half years of Philly sports <laughs> before the last 10 years. Because the thing is, like, a lot of us have gone through our not even adult lives without championships, and like, two, two championships in 10 years that's a lot
2: uh yeah (laughs) i was just telling a story the other day a friend of mine from pittsburgh yes i have a friend in pittsburgh i'm sorry but uh, they were talking about their six uh Bowls and all that and they go hey how's philly doing right now Uh, i'm like well we couldn't be better it's like no but do you know how to handle this i was like that's a great question (laughs) and if they play their first preseason game two nights ago the eagles do and usually right after that game it's like this sucks that sucked uh this team's not doing anything (laughs) and now it's like everything's fine there's, there's no, the venom is gone no, as far no, as the Eagles no, are concerned. Is it
1: temporarily gone? Yes,
2: temporarily. Okay, yes, well, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, look, when the when the Phillies won the World Series in 08 – it took, I believe it was two-thirds of an inning to <laughs> boo the Phillies again in 2009 after Brett Myers gave up uh, a home run. I forget to who, who it was to. Maybe, uh, was it Freddie Freeman? Maybe it was Freddie Freeman. I don't remember. But it, it took all of two-thirds of an inning for that venom to return. So if, if you know what hits the fan week one th- Thursday night uh, against the Falcons, the, the booing will return. So the
1: first three and out.
2: Yeah, hey, the fir- the booing and the venom will return <laughs> I- immediately. It's not you, there's not a you don't uh, put that away for a long time. It comes back rather quick.
0: We're here with Mark Farzetta from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Now, you know as you can tell, Mark grew up in the area from Doylestown. Grew yeah, up in Doylestown. grew up in
2: Doylestown. Originally from Ambler, okay, and I uh, grew up in Doylestown. Grew
0: up in Doylestown. Uh, went to Archbishop Wood. Holla now now, <laughs> now now back in your wood days, okay? Like, <laughs> did, like, like did you know that that you were going to be the media superstar that you are now? Like, did, <laughs> did you know that this is what you wanted to
2: pursue when you were
1: listening to? Uh, Mac and Mac at the McDonald's in Leicester <laughs> or,
0: or the Berlin Circle. Yeah,
2: I was a Street Road guy when when they <laughs> were <street> when uh, <laughs> the, it, when when I was listening to like Anthony and Glenn yes. Anthony Gargano and Glenn Mac now at the McDonald's on Street Road. Ooh. and when I, when I was growing up, I was always like, "Why are they doing sports talk at a McDonald's?" And then I got into radio. I was like, "Oh, because they paid for it." Like, exactly. <laughs> so that's exactly. why they did it. But uh, no, that I grew up listening to WIP uh, all the time when I was a kid. Uh, in high school. I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do exactly. I, I, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I'd probably be a history teacher and coaching basketball. Hmm. But that's that, that was my goal. So I, I started, when I was applying for college and all that stuff, I was taking into consideration education and being a teacher and all that stuff. So I was looking at, like, uh, Towson, uh, Towson mm-hmm. and uh, all that. But uh, I, I wasn't involved in TV. I didn't do the morning announcements or anything. <laughs> uh, but probably... Because
1: you I, guys probably had Channel 1.
2: We had Channel One with Lisa Ling. Shout out, Lisa Come Ling. Come on. Shout out. Good morning, Lisa. Um, but I didn't do the morning announcements or anything like that, but I first knew I wanted to be involved in broadcasting, actually, in eighth grade. So okay. right before high school, I went to uh, Our Lady Mount Carmel in Doylestown, uh-huh. and uh, th- my buddy Matt Lafferty would do the, no, was it, uh, Tom this kid, Tom White would do the, the announcements, like call the buses at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. all the kids would, oh, bus 310s here, go down to the, the gym, and then you walk through that and go onto on your bus. So Tommy would be sick every once in a while, and he'd call me, and he'd say, hey, man, can you do the announcements? I'd be like, absolutely. Right. So I started doing the, <laughs> these bus announcements as, like, whatever <laughs> I was, 12 or 13, however old you are in, thir- in uh, eighth grade. And, I, of course, I just wouldn't say 310, bus number 310. Right? I'd get on the mic, my mic- my- the microphone, and I'd just say... Three ten as this like eighth grade. Three ten <laughs> bus number three ten, and teachers would start coming into the office, the right. principal's right. office, where I would do the announcements and be laughing and be like, "This is great, keep it up." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, cool!" And that was the first time I was on microphone really, uh-huh. and people I, I would get a reaction. So you didn't wally pip your boy, did you? <laughs>
1: No, I did not. I, uh,
2: loyalty's a thing. I did not uh, I did not say, "Yeah, Tommy, why don't you stay home a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> you could be sick for us. You take all the time you need."
0: So a few years after that, again, you went to the finest higher education uh, institution very in well the represented world. in
1: this in this square footage right? Absolutely yeah, really. right.
0: Temple University. And so, I assume you did broadcasting when you were there. Did you broadcast any cool events or anything? Did you cover any anything? Uh, you
2: like, or? Goongate. Okay, Goongate. All right, oh, so yeah. that was
1: so that was your era.
2: That was my senior year. That was 2005. Okay. Yeah.
1: Current coach, uh, John Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <yeah.
2: laughs> that was, um, yeah, exactly. Current, uh, current coach with the Sixers now. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, Iremiah Ingram was a player for Temple, for those that don't know, was a basketball player. And uh, John Chaney. Shout out to John Chaney. Shout out to Coach, man. I love Coach. He got really upset uh, at a game against the uh, St. Joe Hawks. Uh, apparently he was upset with uh, moving screens and all mm-hmm. that stuff, so he sent in his "quote unquote" goon, Emile Ingram, and Ingram went over and basically broke John Bryant's arm, yeah. a hard foul under the basket, and Ingram, uh, excuse me, Bryant broke his arm. And after the game, we're sitting in the press conference, and I'm just a little boy student writer for right, Temple right. University, and you hear what sounds like pandemonium in the hallway, and it's getting closer and closer, <laughs> and then you re- you realize it's John Cheney, and you. You hear his voice, I don't want no ACC officials. I don't want (laughs) no (laughs) officials in this game. They're not gonna call that kind of foul. (laughs) And it's terrible pressure to coach, but you get the idea. And then the door flies open. And I'm I'm looking, oh my god, we're sitting there and we're just and he Fi FIFO fums his way up to the podium and and he just look and he and he starts going off on ACC officials and starts yelling and screaming and I'm gonna do it like we did it in the old days. We're gonna do. We're going We're gonna send in a goon. Right. And I'm like, well, I just call this player a goon. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there and I'm watching and I'm and I'm thinking, do I ask how he's gonna enjoy time off for his suspension, or do I just <laughs> do I just sit here quietly? And I opted to sit there quietly. And then somebody asked him. And they lost the game and they said, Coach. They said, John, is this why you lost the game? Because of illegal screens? And no, Saint Joe just blew him out of the way. This was yeah. the Marty Collins era. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, of, it was, uh, was like kind, of a down, kind of No, down and that era. was
1: like when Saint Joe's was. Yeah, like that was after the Nelson, but they still had a pretty good run. Yeah, they had a that.
2: great pro. I mean, still, I mean, yeah, they they had a, a great run there. And uh, John just said, the coach just said, um, "Is that why he lost?" And he goes, um, "No." <laughs> so <laughs> so what, what are we talking about here?
0: Oh man! So so after your time at Temple though. Again, you kind of moved on from that. Actually, before I asked you that.
2: Oh, I covered I was, Temple basketball or Temple football as well. Okay. In a game okay. that I think God they lost you. 70 to 16. That the Virginia Tech game? It was either VTech or, or Bowling Green. Okay. Bowling Green, I think they lost 70 to, I remember, to 17 I think, or 17. Yeah, or?
0: yeah, I think it was 17 to 17. I think. Yeah, yeah, I remember that
1: game. How I difficult game. was that? Is that the di- most difficult thing you had to do in your life is to make Temple football remotely <laughs> interesting?
2: I asked. Bobby Wallace.
1: Oh God! Who was
2: the coach at the time? Talking about name dropping. Yeah, right. Yeah. Does that count as a name drop? (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, if you
1: drop the Temple football player's name after that, that might be the that might. Walter Washington,
2: um, (laughs) but who was the quarterback? Yes. uh, But uh, I I remember after the first game of the season, which of course they got killed. I, I asked Bobby Wallace. I said, you know. After a, a game like that, I mean, if you're talking to Temple fans, what's a reason to come out? <laughs> wow. To see? Yeah, I had a, I had a set on me. As you a, you as went a there. A, yeah, I go. <laughs> now, can
1: you do a Bobby Wallace impersonation as much as you, as well as you could do a John impersonation? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible? Yes, just
2: as well. But uh, I just said, what, what's a reason to come out to? Uh, wow. If you're talking to Temple fans right now. Why should they basically watch this football team? <laughs> Every time I tell this story, I think to myself, "I'm like, wow, you had a pair, man, for a, for like a 20 a year old uh, t- student writer." Now, did
1: you have immediate regret after you answered the, asked the question?
2: No. Okay. Because <laughs> after you lose a game, 60 to probably three, whatever the score was, <laughs> yeah. uh, after four missed field goals, whatever, uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, he goes, well, uh, Temple football games are, are. Uh, can be fun because of college atmosphere, <laughs> and you go out to the parking lot. You have fun with your friends. You do tailgate, <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow!" He's basically telling me to come out and drink. That's what he's telling me. <laughs> That's why Temple football at the time, at the time. was fun. But now time. it's it, now I couldn't be more proud of that program, man. It's so awesome.
1: Let's let's talk
0: about it since since we're talking Temple football. All right. A- so
1: you're a <laughs> optimist about the Temple athletic program or football because like no, yes. this because this is where me and him just cross the road because I think Temple athletics. Is right now they need to realize their identity. Like I, I mean, are you happy with the place they are in the college? Are you
2: saying they need to know their role?
1: Yeah, or know stay in role. their lane. No, I no, like I
2: mean No man, reach for the stars. In, in all honesty, okay. I, I I hate that they cut the baseball program and I hate that they, they cut a, a number of other programs. Um but their goal is to be a big time competitor uh in like uh you know, some of the big conferences. Even though
1: in real in reality it's not attainable.
2: Why not? If you're look, if you're working at Temple right now, which I know some people are, um, <laughs> if you're working at Temple right now, you you want to raise every single program that you have. You want to be able to have that big basketball program. You want to be able to have that big football program. You want to be able to build your own stadium. You want to do all that because eventually it'll mean more money for the university, obviously. But I I I don't mind my school, and I certainly don't mind my professional franchises, right, all the all the Philly sports, for trying to be the best they possibly can be. I'm not going to hold that against Temple. I, and, I, and I think it is obtainable because you don't have a good college presence outside Villanova basketball in the city of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at it, I mean, people always talk about having five divisions, you know, the big five here in Philadelphia, right? And in my travels, people don't get that college sports is not a huge deal in Philly because all throughout the country, it's a huge, it's huge deal, especially huge. in the South, it's yeah. huge. But in Philly, even with basketball, as popular as basketball is in Philadelphia, people don't break it down that much because you have such a divide among the big five schools. So there's not just one college basketball team. You can have one college football team and have people get excited about it. I, I don't see that as something that is an impossibility. And so, I think Temple can t- can fill that void. So,
0: so can Temple be a competitive school in a Power Five conference?
2: No. <laughs> okay. Well,
0: that, 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 <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I think that's, <laughs> that's the question. Yeah, because yeah. I, I guess – can they be and because honestly, this all comes back to. But I wanted to
2: try. <laughs>
1: okay, this all comes back to the basketball team because I always say like it's easy to build a program in athletic program if you have history. Temple basketball mm. has a lot of history. John Chaney, like
2: they're the fifth most winning school <laughs> I think in, the, in in history yeah. of the NCAA. But can
1: argue in the last decade they've been fairly irrelevant. Yeah. Why? Like yeah. I, no, I, I always say you got a, a base there. Mm-hmm. Build that before you can. Send all your resources to a football program, frankly, that doesn't have any history, mm-hmm. that doesn't have that fan base. You have a built-in fan base, and it's like, I don't know. no. And, and whenever I ask someone, they're like, what has – not wrong, because you, you never want to – it's hard to rip Fran Dunphy, one of the probably the nicest human beings you'll ever meet. But yeah. what do you – what do they need? Like, do you need an infusion of energy? Like, because they're well, not- you need Aaron
2: McKee. Okay, and and look, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying Aaron McKee's going to go out and start qualifying, you know, for NCAA tournaments left and right, and he's right. not going to make it to the Final Four, and he's not going to win a national championship tomorrow or anything like that. But the step in the right direction for Temple was going to Aaron okay. McKee. I thought, and I think I I started hearing about the, the, the Fran Dumphy's last year and all that stuff, which is the year obviously coming up. But I started hearing hearing about that. At the beginning of the season, I mean, there had been rumors and people have talked because, look, the success hasn't been there. Right. When when you don't have the success there, you, people start asking questions, mm-hmm. people start talking. But I really feel that, and I felt at the time, and I still do, that the right move was to go to a guy who went to the university, who played in the uh, in the NBA, who had the coaching experience at least on the bench, and that's Aaron McKee right there. If you're if you're a mom or dad and you're sending your kid to college and they got the opportunity to play in the NBA. Do you want to play for a former player? I do. Right. I I want to right. play for Aaron McKay.
1: And probably in like in a, a style that will lend yourself because every high school kid I I believe feels like they got a shot at the NBA. Or, or like
2: I, I think in, I think in high school is when you go, I'm probably not going to do this. <laughs> I knew at 11, I wasn't going <laughs> to I wasn't going to be making it to the to the pros.
1: Cuz it just seems like cuz I get frustrated because I cuz we all coach basketball, mm. we see like the talent. It's like, feel like the Temple just hasn't been getting the premier Philly players. I, I don't, I'm not even asking you to. Like- well, look who
2: they lost to: Penn State in the yeah. NIT. Yeah. I mean, Penn State was riddled with like Roman Catholic kids. <laughs> you yeah. I mean even to tell me they're not going to? They're not going to uh, Temple?
1: The, yeah, that's what like is a frustrating thing yeah. for me. Is like not getting. I mean, losing. I mean, people can point to Brunson, but I don't think it was ever good. But like losing guys to like I don't know. You should get
0: the city guys. Like, yeah. You should get a fair amount. You should not be
1: losing a guy to like Towson or right. or like I don't know. Like get those Philly kids. Penn State. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's I, enough
0: yeah. kids in this general area that you should get two or three of the better ones every year. Like I don't I don't think and that's they have nice been. And they No, haven't. that yeah.
2: and that's been that's been the huge problem. So I think it, it's a mu- it's a much more attractive thing, I think, for a parent to look at Aaron McKee and go. Eh, I'm going to have my kid play for that guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and as well-respected as, as Fran Dumphy is, and as much as you want to have him in your house and, and all that, and, and talk to your kid, the guy that you want, I feel, is the former player, is the former NBA player. And, and Fran Dumphy is Mr. Big Five. I mean, he's got a connection to every single school and all that. Right. Extremely respected. But when it comes to trying to get you know the, the proof in the pudding and all that, that's where a guy like Aaron McKee comes in. And I'm not, again, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Aaron McKee fan. But I'm not I'm not saying that he's going to be successful immediately. He's, st- he's going to have growing pains as a right, coach. I right. think we all realize that. Look at Gabe Kapler. I mean, growing pains as a manager. Right. You're going to have that with Aaron McKee, but I just think in the long run this is the right step.
0: I'm talking to Mark Parzetta from NBC Sports. Temple Sports yeah. expert. Uh, Temple Sports expert. This is probably like the, the – the, the, Historian, maybe. We, we've reached our yearly quota of Temple Sports because yeah, really. Chris doesn't let me talk Temple Sports. I'd rather talk wrestling. On these airwaves. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to continue talking about Mark's career, including – his stint with WIP and his new gig, Philly Sports Talk, NBC Sports Philadelphia. You're listening to The Broad Street Line on a 106.5 FM, WPPM LP Philadelphia. Back to the Broad Street line alongside Kristen Mingo. I'm Roy Burton, and special guest Mark Farzetta of NBC Sports Philadelphia. We play the NBC uh, Sunday Night Football theme for him. Um, we'll talk about <laughs> to that give in me a anxiety yeah, to get you get you, to get you hyped up. But before we talk about that, let's talk about how you started with WIP. Was that did you start that when you were at Temple, or when did that when did that come about?
2: Uh, I had just graduated okay. uh, from Temple, and um, I was going to take actually, yeah, I was going to take my last final ever, so okay. I was going to be done with school. Right. I was so excited, and it was the day after Mother's Day. And I spent the night at my parents' house in Doylestown because, you know, took mom out for Mother's Day and all that stuff. And, and, and I crashed at my mom and dad's. And then I had to go back to Temple to take an uh, environmental science final. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> what building it was in? Uh, Anderson. <laughs> okay, it Anderson. was. I think it was one of those. Uh, it was either Anderson or what was the one connected to it? Uh,
1: Gladfelter. Gladfelter, yes. Oh, man. Um, all time, everything. Today. Yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, but
2: anyway, I had to go there. And I was listening to the radio, and Angelo puts the call out for the intern. For the intern contest, right? Okay. And believe me, since I started telling this story 13 years ago, <clears throat> it has taken on a whole new meaning because I have <laughs> to drop this name. It was run, the contest was run, Uh-oh. the intern contest was run, like Donald Trump's apprentice. Okay. Alright? Okay. So one person has gotten, one person gets fired every day for five days, and the last person standing won a job on the WIP street team. Hurrah. You uh, so you go out to the bars and you hand out t-shirts, that was your job if you if you won the intern contest. So every day I call up to Angelo and I and I and I get on. Now here's the deal. Here's what happened. I actually get through. And all my t- all my years of listening to Sports Talk Radio, all my years of listening to Angelo, I had never gotten through. I got through. Hmm. And Joe Echter, who I later would become uh, close friends with, answers the phone. WIP Radio. I'm like, Hey, I'm Mark Farzad. I'm your next WIP intern. And he goes, All right, great. I'll put you on hold. Puts me on hold. It's a commercial break. I have the phone in my ear. I'm driving, and uh, I think to myself, Wait a minute. I'm finishing college right now. I already have a job lined up okay. in New York City hmm. to work in marketing for the Chappelle Show.
0: Oh, wow. Excuse me?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I had a buddy of mine at Comedy Central at the time. He submitted my resume. He got me and like another friend a job. It was going to be our first gig working in marketing for the Chappelle Show. That's amazing. <laughs> so uh, it was going to start in September. Uh, so I already had, I mean, I had the summer to myself. So I was like, you know what? I already have a job lined up. Let somebody else do this. And I hung up the phone. Hmm. And then I was driving about five minutes later, and I go, would that really be the worst thing in the world to have WIP and Comedy Central wanting you for something? So I call back, and I get through again. Wow. By some act of God, I got <laughs> Seriously, like, again.
1: Explain to all the people that have not <laughs> called into yeah. a sports radio show. What is the probability of calling into a show during the day, not, not calling into, like, the 10 p.m., to yeah, 2 a.m. Drive ship. time.
2: D- during the morning show? Yeah. Uh, next to impossible. Okay. So I got through twice. <laughs> and I said, hey, I don't know. Call must have dropped. Uh, I'm the yeah. next WIP intern, whatever. And he goes, all right, great. Hold on. And he puts me on hold. And I'm up like right away. Yeah. So and now being behind the scenes, I- I've seen how that works. Like if they are talking about something and they-, they need somebody on that subject right then and there, they'll put that person up. Boom. Right. So I was that person at that time, and I they bumped me up. And, oh, good, we have an intern here. Uh, Mark, uh, you're on WIP. Hey, Angelo, I'm your next WIP intern. Ooh, I like the confidence of this guy. <laughs> um, so he, do you do
1: these impersonations? I
2: can't tell a story without ta- say like, talking.
1: You're taking us inside. I yeah, appreciate that.
2: I can't tell a story without doing the voices, at least how they sound in my head, of the people in the story. <laughs> like, if you ask me about Big Daddy, I will go off on a Big Daddy rant and his voice how it sounds to me. But anyway. So Angelo's like, oh, I like the confidence of this guy. So we we we're like, oh, that's oh th- yeah, I'm your I'm your guy. And he's like, why should you be the next intern? And I tell him, and I just hey, I've I graduated from Temple. Uh, I was a broadcasting major. I've done radio for four years. This is my goal. I heard you say it was a shortcut to broadcasting. This is what I want to do. Ironically mm-hmm. enough, maybe a month, not even a month before, Rhea Hughes came to my senior seminar class at Temple University with Tobias Pool, holla, and. uh and and she spoke to my class. Ex-Temple alum, too. Ex-Temple yes. alum. Yes. And she wrote, and I, I just wanted to be memorable to Rhea Hughes. So I raised my hand like every 30 seconds. and I asked questions and all that stuff, and she was so like, you laughing. were that guy. I <laughs> was totally that guy. You kidding me? She <laughs> wrote her email on the board, and she goes, hey, if you guys have any more questions, or need any more help, feel free to reach out to me. And, and Rhea, who I've become close with, obviously, 13 years working, I used to watch her dogs and cats. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, she wrote her email on the board, and she tells this. Whenever we're out, uh, she'll tell us. She'll tell us somebody. Uh, she wrote her email on the board, and before she got home, she already had an email from me. Wow! And she was. She couldn't have been nicer. She could not have been more sweet. And uh, she goes, "Wait a minute." I said, Rhea, yeah, I just met you about two weeks ago while I'm on the radio. I said, Rhea, I just met you about uh, two, three weeks ago, whatever. And she goes, wait, were you the loud, annoying kid in the back? And I go, (laughs) go, you got me pegged. And she goes, Angelo, you're going to love this guy. They brought me in. Uh The intern contest was made up of tasks that we had to perform throughout the week. Most of them were things I had already done for four years at Temple, like write a promo, um, uh, do a mock play-by-play broadcast. So we had to do play-by-play of something non-sports related. So me and this other guy, we did play-by-play. Of a uh, of a Wawa, and we just went through, and it Ooh. was like he was a play by play guy, I was the color, an- I was play by play, he was color analyst because he actually worked at a Wawa once, um, and we just did that. It was like, oh, he hands over the change, perfect execution, like that kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, we had to raise money for To, um, and then the <laughs> last day, yeah, that was when To <laughs> was holding out or when he was sent home yeah, in uh, oh five, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and before the EO5 season. And um, then we went uh, we went to Borgata and we had to find somebody interesting at the Borgata. And I just got a pit boss. And they liked him over this other girl, this girl I was competing against. They liked this guy that I brought in. And they're like, all right, you win. You're, you're the WIP intern. So I started showing up every day, even though they told me to only show up when I was, well, the promotions director at the time said, only come in when we call you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you got it. And I just showed up the next day. Because <laughs> um, I knew Angelo wanted me there because he wanted the help and he knew, he saw that I wanted the work. Right. Uh, and I showed up every day for thirteen years, almost. <laughs> <laughs> so, so eventually they paid me.
0: So, so is that part of the thing? Because again, a lot of people listen to the show. A lot of people on the station are aspiring media professionals. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of the thing that people need to do when like they're trying can't, to break in the take, business? Can't take no for an answer. Just always show up, be available. You know, is that is that the main thing? I think you would say. to Yeah. That the of advice? Um.
2: Uh, the the old adage, what ninety percent of success is showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty accurate. I mean, I you got to show up. You got to perform so that they don't ever get a restraining order against you. <laughs> um, you got to show up. You got to work your ass off. Um, and you got to do things that are extremely. They, they they go against.
1: That's not beneath you. Like, you can't make yeah. that like you're getting Angelo like a, a mochaccino. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the day I see him drink a mochaccino, but I know what you mean. Uh, no, but in all honesty, I did things that I never thought I would. Do and when I talk to every once in a while, I'll go out to like a high school or college and, and talk to you know kids, whatever. And I always tell them, you never know what talent you're gonna have to call on that you have and, and exploit. So, for instance, uh, I was a, a singer in high school, I, I, I love sports, but I love singing, and uh, I was in plays and stuff like that. And sure enough, I go in to Angelo's show. Actually, you know what? The first day, I'll tell this story first the first day I just showed up out of nowhere. Angelo was recruiting people for stupid human tricks. <laughs> so at Miss WIP, which is a contest we used to run, Miss WIP, we were going to have stupid human tricks as, like, the opening act for Miss WIP. Okay. And I was like, uh, well, I have a stupid human trick. And Angelo goes, what? I go, I can clap with one hand. And he goes, what? And I show him, <laughs> and this is what it sounds like. We, we can confirm. Okay. one hand. And – <laughs> So I, had to, I used that to get on the air for the first time after the intern contest. It was one hand clapping. How stupid is that? <laughs> Another time, with the singing and everything, Big, uh, Big Daddy said one night on the air when I was his producer, uh, eventually got hired as a producer, and he said, um, I can sing. I can sing Fly Me to the Moon better than anybody. And I was like, Big Daddy, come on. <laughs> Your producer could sing Fly Me to the Moon better than you I go on the air and I say this So he's like, well, alright, bring in a tape tomorrow We're gonna sing to it and have the <laughs> listeners vote And I go, done So he sang, it was terrible I sang, it was phenomenal And Angelo heard it And he goes, was that really you singing? And I go, yeah He goes, you're doing it on my show So I sang on his show And then people started sending in tapes Of them singing Frank Sinatra And they were like, that Farzetta kid sucks I could sing better right. than him So that's where Angelo started the bit Beat My Frank So I was Frank, (laughs) and people would send in (laughs) tapes trying to beat me. And I'm on Sports Talk Radio for the first time. My dream of working at WIP since I was 11 11 years old. Right. And now I'm singing Sinatra. I hated doing it because I I thought if I'm going to have a sports career, what guy driving to work right now wants to have some other guy singing to him? Right. You wouldn't be talking about Reggie Brown yeah right <laughs> touchdown reggie brown yes uh and uh and angelo made it work man and then the, the, from there they had me audition for american idol singing fly me to the moon in a spacesuit. um <laughs> and i made it through the preliminary rounds and then later in front of Paula, randy and simon and all that stuff and uh I never thought I'd be on WIP singing, and there I was. That, it amazing. actually advanced my career, so go figure.
0: That's amazing. Again, we're talking to uh, Mark Parzetta from NBC Sports Philadelphia.
1: So Philly got- impersonation extraordinary.
2: No, That's uh, true. true. <laughs> These are all terrible impressions.
1: Now, now, I
0: know since you worked with WIP for 13 years or whatever, I know you have stories about this event, I'm gonna talk about next. Of course, Wing Bowl, oh, the, the preeminent Philadelphia <laughs> sporting well, non sporting event. So I that means you said.
1: survived how many Wing yeah, Bowls? Yeah, 13, 14?
2: Yeah, 13. Uh, a lot of yeah, them, yeah, a lot 13, because yeah, 13. Th- is this
0: crazy <laughs> in the arena as it sounds like on the radio? Because it sounds like pure... Because where has it
2: gone? Like, oh, when, it, when it started for you, where was it located? Was it... T- it was Wells Fargo. Oh, so... Yeah, we- I didn't go back to the Franklin, Franklin Wyndham, yeah, Plaza <laughs> Wyndham Plaza <laughs> lobby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't go back that far. Um, but uh, I... Uh, always at Wells Fargo for me. The the first assi- assignment I had, I was basically the morning show producer, Joe Wechter's... Um, I was on his hip for okay. the entire... Like, I need something. You're going to get it done. I was like, you got it. And then after that, I started taking over Wingette responsibilities... Which sounds great, uh-huh. but it sucks. I don't. You got to convince us. Uh, it, it sucks because uh, you're first off, you're dealing with uh, ladies mm-hmm. that um, if they're up at four a.m., that means they're just about to go to bed. Usually, yeah, got you. And to have them have to show up somewhere at four o'clock, and if you don't, Angelo will rip your head off. Um, that that kind of takes the fun out of it. Got
0: you. Got you. Um,
2: and having to get a hundred of those women to show up at wells fargo center at 4 a.m that was your job that was my job Ooh. to not only recruit the girls because it wasn't like i just called the gentlemen's clubs and said hey said hey all you guys send 10 girls it wasn't like that right. i mean you have your gentlemen's club ladies but then you would have your quote unquote girl next door type girl oh, <laughs> type <dear>. ladies. <laughs> uh, what neighborhood you're living in for that i don't know but uh this is you'll yeah. never
1: get a behind the scenes from Bowl like you're getting right Dude, now it,
2: it was it was wild um it was as crazy as people say and I, I never saw anything that I was like, I should probably call the police right now. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, people are just the, – the, I feel like – I, and I would tell Angelo this all the time. I, I would say when you, when you die and you go in front of St. Peter and you're at the pearly gates and all that stuff, <laughs> so the golden gates and all that stuff, and you're in front of St. Peter, he's going to look at Wing Bowl and he's going to go, oof, I don't know if I can let you in here. And your counter-argument <laughs> is going to be, well, I made everybody that was a nobody in Philly uh, uh, an athlete and a star for a day. And that's what it was. That's what it is. Every average Joe from whatever, uh, 10th and Wolf or whatever, Broad and Snyder, (laughs) they have an opportunity for a day to be a a star, to be a sports athlete, get paraded, literally paraded around the Wells Fargo Center Mm -hmm. floor, Mm -hmm. up on a stage. And all you got to do is eat wings, man. And they got beautiful women around them. Well, debatable on some beautiful. But you got women (laughs) around them. And they're, they're five guys to twenty five guys to thirty guys, and some women are paraded around as if they are some kind of sports hero.
1: You still haven't even talked about
2: the crowd. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. the, well, the, the crowd is <laughs> unlike any, the crowd terrifies me. <laughs> I as they should. I um, my little cousin, um, who is uh, she's a beautiful girl, and uh, she's in college. Well, she just she's just about to graduate, and she won wing bowl tickets, and I was like. Uh no, <laughs> and she goes no no my friends and I really want to go and 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 of course I said I knew you and I could maybe get tickets and I was like oh god all right, so I didn't want to embarrass her. so she needed like four tickets or whatever so I gave her tickets and she then reported back to me <laughs> the horrors that was being in the crowd at Wing Bowl and at one point I went over just to check on her because you know she was in a lower level and I could see her from where I was and I was just like you good and so somebody fr- in front of her. Said to me, Oh, is this your cousin? And mm-hmm. it was an older guy, probably in his 60s. And I go, Yeah. He's like, Oh, we'll make sure she's okay. I was like, Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And then I just, I said to her, because she was drinking, I said, um, I said, uh, are, are you, who's driving you home? And she pointed to this guy, and he looked fine, and he didn't have any beer in his hand or anything like that. And I was like, Okay, good. He, you know, he's driving. He looks yeah. like a designated driver, whatever. So then this older guy turns around and goes, Oh, she needs a ride home? I'll take her home. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, I looked at him, I was like, Dude, I will murder you. Like, I'm, like I thought you were really nice for a second, but like I will punch you in your face. Like I don't like you. Right? Like, I, I will rip you out of this chair and throw you onto the floor. But just average, average crowd and all that stuff. It. it uh, I, I wish people at Wells Fargo, they kind of treat it like a almost like a throwaway event, like oh we, we hate doing it kind of thing. Right. And it's like. Yeah, but you're doing it. Exactly. Uh, so, exactly. Like, like, please treat it like a Flyers game or a Sixers game with crowd control and crowd police, and they've gotten better and better every year with it and all mm-hmm. that stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, the I'm not, I'm not going to lie. When people talk about the 700 level from back in the day, it's probably... The entire Wells Fargo Center? It's the 800 <laughs> level. Yeah, it's whatever the next step up is, that's what the Wells Fargo Center, <laughs> that's what the wing bowl crowd is like. And to a degree, yeah, it's fun, and guys come in from all over, and they yeah, just yeah, have they fun and all have, that stuff. Right. But then there's the guys that they, they go the extra mile, and you really don't need to. Yeah, you, don't, you
0: definitely don't need to. Again, we're talking to Mark Farzetta from NBC Sports Philadelphia. You just mentioned 700 Level. Good segue <laughs> to the show that you used to host for NBC Sports yeah, Philadelphia, man. the 700 Level. Uh, you took over for some, some columnist. <laughs> he, he went out to L.A. I forget his name. I don't know. He's oh, Godzo. God. Yeah, he's, he's doing something. No, guys' <laughs> a, a good dude. Um, was hosting a show, being in front of a camera, something that you always wanted to do? <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my senior year at Temple, bring that back, I was a writer, I was on TV for Temple Update uh, as a sports anchor, and I was still doing radio. Um, and I, I was like, wow, if I can do this for the rest of my life, these three things, I'm a happy man. Like, mm-hmm. that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And I hate writing, <laughs> so I stopped <laughs> doing that, gave up on that, but I, I love being on, on TV, love being on a mic uh, no matter what, and I just really enjoyed it. I, I kind of grew up wanting to be Again, when I was 11 years old, and figured I, I, I can't do, I can't play center field for the Phillies. Um, <laughs> I wanted to be around sports still, and if I could be some combination of like a sports center anchor mm-hmm. and David Letterman, okay, then I'm living a happy life. Gotcha. And so, and, and the 700 level, and a little maybe a little splash of Saturday Night Live in there too, because I was an, still love SNL, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I'm doing now, man. I, I I'm I'm a lucky sob. I'm living my dream. And I just – the 700-level show was the perfect combination of all of those things right. because we could talk straight sports. We could have guests like yourself on and talk sports. We could do the off-the-wall bit or the mm-hmm. cold open or whatever um, and ask the more irreverent question right. than you can on a show like I do now, like PST, which right. I love doing. Don't get me wrong. But 700-level was just that perfect – it was the perfect thing for me uh, when it was when it was on the air. And I got lucky because – for WIP, I started doing a bit called Farzing in the Field, right. where I go out to bars and I talk to you know, drunks, whatever, and ask <laughs> them sports questions. And, uh, Very
0: entertaining, by yeah, the way. Thank you. Uh,
2: <laughs> and John Gonzalez heard that and said, I want you to do that for us, for 700 level. And I said, I'd, I'd love to do it. And they, so they brought me on as a, as a um, correspondent, mm-hmm. more or less. So I started doing that, and I knew – I had kind of grown up in the career, in my career with Colleen Wolfe, with John's wife. She was at WIP the same time I was. We were both interns and all that stuff. And when she got the job out in L.A. with the NFL Network, I knew there was a strong possibility John was going to leave, at the time, Comcast Sportsnet. Mm -hmm. So not only did I jump at the opportunity to be a a correspondent for the show, I knew there was a possibility of John leaving and a possibility of them bringing me in as the host. So – Sure enough, about maybe five months after I started, John left. They asked me if I was interested. I said, hells yeah. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, we're probably going to have you and another host and have you guys split responsibility. And I was like, that sounds terrible. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't say that, but I was like, okay, yeah, us it works out. Totally fine. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, uh, that gentleman ended up saying, I'm good. I don't want to do it. And they brought me on as the, the host of the show, awesome. and it worked out. That's and awesome. from there, they started saying, do you want to fill in for uh, Michael Barkin on Fridays? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to take some stuff off his plate during Eagle season. I said, great. And uh, I did that show, did 700 level for about a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it just had a blast doing it. And then that that led into what I'm doing now, which is hosting... Uh, PST with Amy Fadul.
1: Now, now, how's that going so far? <laughs>
0: By
2: the way, my mom, she's retired. She loves that
1: show. Does she? Oh <laughs> no, like her, her big, like
0: big in the retirement. Yeah,
1: community yeah, yeah no, no, because like she's a she's a big sports fan. So she loves. She goes from five to seven. You guys, and then um, quick slants. Like I, I, I mean, it really is like a good, solid two hours of just like Philly talk. <laughs>
2: um, the show itself it could not be more fun. Uh, Amy is such a pleasure to work with. Amy Fiddle might be the sweetest human being on the planet. Oh wow. I mean, okay. aside from just being tremendously knowledgeable with sports and, and and all that, especially Kentucky basketball her favorite, but she's just the the sweetest person. She First off, I'm not I'm still not a TV guy. I'm a I'm a radio guy and mm-hmm. I'm still learning this TV thing. Uh she's been doing it for a long time and she could not be more courteous to me hmm. as someone who's still trying to learn the ropes and all that. Like one time we were outside shooting something and I was like I can't do this without my sunglasses on, it was so bright. And she's like, Yeah, no. Like she, she was just like, that's not how you do it. And I was like, all right, whatever. So yeah. she was like, Yeah, in TV, you gotta keep them off. Unless you're doing like a man on the street type bit, whatever that's lighthearted, fine. But um she just like yeah, like the other day I didn't know how to use the color printer. <laughs> and she was just like, Oh, oh, here's how you do it. And not only does she just tell you, right. like, she like she showed she you showed me everything. And, yeah, yeah. and she was like, Yeah, here's you gotta click this, you gotta click that, and then if you need to do this, you do that, and I'm just like uh, but she's the type of person that if you ask for, a, like, a glass of water, like, she, like, goes out and just, get, like, buys you a fountain. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's, she's like, she just that always awesome. goes the extra mile. Yeah,
0: that is, That is awesome. Again, we're talking to Mark Frazetta from uh, Philly Sports Talk, NBC Sports Philadelphia. I'm not sure if this is on the 700 level or maybe just something for the website, but I saw that you and one of our former guests, Marshall Harris, were doing the NRG charity football game um, a few months back. Now, now you got to give us the
1: real mm. Marshall Harris on the football field.
0: Does, does, yeah. does he bring
2: it? Uh, he brings a lot of attitude. Okay, a lot of attitude. Uh, he, I, I'll see. I see
1: him reference that home run he hit in like the softball game constantly. Like, or, or, what? Or, like, or, or no? Like, I, 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 I guarantee
2: th- you, he did not hit a home run. I don't think, it was, I don't think it was a home run. <laughs> and if he I did, he didn't make it around the bases because my man can't do anything without pulling a hammy. <laughs> uh, he uh, <laughs> Marshall. It's it's really it's it's cute, really. Um, Marshall thinks he's an athlete, Ooh. um, Ooh. and, uh, I enjoy when he tries to be one. Mm. It's enjoyable for everybody. Mm. I will say his NRG charity football game, uh, 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 uh talent uh-huh. far exceeds his pal softball game talent okay. because <laughs> there is none. Okay. Um, but with football, he, I mean, the guy is a, is a runner. He, he loves to run. At least he says he does. And, uh, he, he, uh, was good on the fly route. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came up with a play cuz we had Kristen Rogers from uh Fox, Fox 29. She was our quarterback. She could okay. sling it, man. Okay. Okay. So we had one play because you know she can't really, you know, she, the Hail Mary is not her forte. Right, right, right. So we would he, Marshall would call a play Alabama. And <laughs> it would basically be a fleet flicker more or less. Yeah. Uh, not even a flea flicker, but it'd be like a uh, a QB option. Gotcha. She'd toss it to you, and then you'd bomb it down the field. On that play, I, I connected with Marshall once or twice. Nice, so he went nice. up and got it. Okay, I was so like, nice, if I just put it up go. there, he could jump. Go, go get it. He's
0: got some hops. You know, like Randy Moss. You know?
2: Just like Randy exactly, Moss. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, Marshall, is he's always had fun. Because he, he, he really wants to win, mm-hmm. and he is having fun. But you see that kind of edge. Right. Where he's just like, okay, this is what we got to do right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a breath. Leo, you, <laughs> you gonna run that play? I'm gonna go get some more water, and uh, we'll see how we'll see what happens. Uh, this is
0: awesome stuff. Again, talking to Mark Frazetta from NBC Sports, Philadelphia. You're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we have to talk about Super Bowl 52. Which, oh, by the way, you were in attendance. Yeah, man. Working the game mm. and watching your favorite team bring home the title. You're listening to the Broad Street Line on 106.5 FM WPPM LP, Philadelphia. Welcome back to the Brochery Line, alongside Chris Domingo. I'm Roy Burton. and special guest Mark Farzetta. Oh, I wish we could tell some of these stories that we talked about. <coughs> oh, oh no, this at is a public here.
1: service announcement. If yeah. you ever see Mr. Mark Farzetta at at a bar or a restaurant, <laughs> buy this man the drink of his choice. Several drinks. Jack
2: Daniels, double rocks on the side,
1: <laughs> and he will give you some of the best stories that you'll ever hear. Like I, I mean, and it's not just from sports. I mean, he just told this great story about a guy from SNL. So,
0: speaking of stories, I need I need the inside story. About Super Bowl 52 oh, man, because you, you were on the inside
1: Arguably literally. one of the greatest days of a person Who's followed Philly sports ever
2: uh, Yeah um, So I was working for Sunday Night Football For 11 years uh, Worked behind the scenes traveling around every single game And all that stuff for for SNF And had the time of my life And I knew things were progressing at NBC Sports Philadelphia So I knew this would most likely This past season was going to mm-hmm. be my last season
0: Okay,
2: And the Eagles made it to the Super Bowl And we had the Super Bowl and I thought, if I'm going to go out, man. <laughs> that's how you go out. This is the way to do
0: it. It's like Jordan over Byron Russell. <laughs> I mean, this yeah, is right. it.
2: So uh, I just I couldn't believe it, man. I was pinching myself a million times. Uh, one, to see if I, I was dreaming. The other, because it was so cold. I want to know if I had feeling uh, walking around Minnesota. <laughs> it wasn't that cold. It was, it was the coldest I've ever been in my life. Okay. okay? Uh, and I had to go out to Minnesota twice because I went out for NBC Sports Philly uh, for a couple of days. Flew back hmm. to do Wing Bowl, lucky me, <laughs> and then flew back to Minnesota to work the game. Eagles, Patriots, Super Bowl 52. I'm in the production truck, which I know, the crew didn't know at the time, but I knew was most likely going to be my last game. Mm-hmm. Like I said, if there was ever a way to go out, that's this, this was the game to do it. Walking around the city of Minneapolis, seeing Eagles fans, talking with them, laughing with them, swapping stories it was one, it was maybe the greatest weekend of my life. Wow. Like, and I just got married. <laughs> like, <laughs> this was, this was bad. No, uh, it was just this it, as far
1: as that. I hope you're not
2: listening. Right now. <laughs> she, uh, she's fine. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> We uh, we just had so much fun with Eagles fans and just being able to oh you know I didn't do this so I could do you know, so I could come here right, you know right. it's it's my daughter's birthday but I'm here you know whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. and and the people in Minnesota could not have been um, actually more gracious having you know being that we just kicked the ass of their football team mm-hmm. um, but it was just it was a great time and and so many people how long they've, been, they've waited for that moment and I was in Jacksonville and it was so disappointing yeah, yeah, but it was yeah. so great to, so great to be here we have that chance and then they won. And when you're working, it was un- like, unbelievable. You're working. You're, you're doing a job. Mm-hmm. You're doing stuff. Yes, <laughs> stuff. Not so like I'll, us. I'll, I'll be specific with you. I was. Uh, I, I basically would control a tape machine, an EVS machine that was an instantaneous uh, replay. So th- it's like the most instant replay you can have. As soon mm-hmm. as the play is over, I'm rewinding it and playing again so that the broadcast crew, so that like Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, if they want to see. Where the guard pulled. Like, if they want to see where Jason Kelsey, center, moved, like, pulled to make a block downfield, whatever, I'm the guy replaying that so they could see it again and better break it down for you at home.
1: How could you physically move your body after the Philly special? <laughs> <laughs> because not many people could have rewound the tape, much less drank, of it, drank a beverage of their choice
2: All right. after that. Um, so here's what happened uh, Kevin Brown uh brownies we call them we're really original with nicknames uh brownie is a philly guy and he uh was uh i think for this game he was the assistant replay producer and he was sitting at the row in front of me uh tracy matisak if you remember that oh my name, God. tracy wow. matisak's son wow uh was is on the crew as well and tr- <laughs> tracy was my professor it was a professor of mine at, at temple at temple yeah and her son uh is on the crew as well he was in the next unit of the, the truck that I was on. So it's Brownie, me, and uh, Tracy's son. And we're all we all Philly guys. Philly special happens. And we, like, Brownie looks at me. I look down the hall Tracy's son. He looks at me. I look back at Brownie, and we're just like, oh, my God. Did you see that? That's <laughs> incredible. They're going to win this game. And you don't. That's the expression on our face. We don't yell and scream because it's a little unprofessional. Yeah. Um, but uh, th- we there's still fandom within those trucks. There's Pittsburgh fans, right. and right, Giants yeah, course, fans, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. You don't forget your loyalties like that. And there's like we were going as un- as crazy as we could with still keeping it professional. Yeah, but we we're just like I don't believe it. And at one point, Fred Godelli, the producer of Sunday Night Football, one of the greatest bosses you could have. I just hear him say, "This is one of." The greatest bleepin' games we've ever done,
1: <laughs> and <laughs> he was. And say? this,
2: Fred Goodelli is the biggest football fan I know. And look, mm-hmm. growing up in this city, that says something. That says a lot. Like, and he look, he's, he's a Giants guy. He's from New York and all that. But he is the. He loves football. This guy eats, sleeps, breathes everything football. For him to say this, like the greatest game he's ever done. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that 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 carries some weight to it.
0: Yeah, we're talking to Mark Parceter from Oh C- my god, University I
1: just got goosebumps. <laughs> like, I literally because it because I, I think someone I think Dan Orlowski might have like tweeted this out. He's like his uh, he has like an in law and his <laughs> he was watching the Super Bowl on like a Thursday at like five forty five p.m. and it's like that's just a Philly. Th- yeah, like man. I, I mean, will this ever get old? Or li- no, like, w- no. Will you ever not feel? A certain way when you watch a replay, no. or watch like Brandon Graham strip, strip Tom Brady. <laughs> I
2: I still look at oh eight. I'm a baseball guy first and foremost. Okay. I love the Phillies more than I love the Eagles. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I look back on oh eight, and I I think about that season, and I think about going through my entire life. I was like 27 when they won. My entire life, never experiencing the championship. I, you know, you had oh one with the Sixers. You had 93 with the um, uh, with the uh, with the Phillies. Of course, the, right. the 93 team. You had run. You had the oh four with the Eagles, but like. You, you flyers multiple Stanley Cup appearances and just mm-hmm. didn't do it to finally win. Like it was the weirdest thing, uh, and I still look back in 08 and get tingly, you know. Yeah. I, and I I'll look back on this Super on Super Bowl Fifty Two, personal memories that I have of being on the truck with these guys that I worked with for eleven years, walking around the city, hanging out with Philly fans everywhere everywhere you turn, and then as just a fan, I'll, I'll look back on it and I'll I'll just be like, not only did they win, they played. One of the greatest, probably the greatest game in NFL history, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Damn it! Um, uh, but at, <laughs> with a backup quarterback, with a backup quarterback, Nick Foles that outdueled Tom Brady. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that gets left out. That that yeah. like
1: it's not like Nick Foles won a Super Bowl, and the the other qu- quarterback played like Trent Dilfer. Like Tom Brady yes. played. Tom Brady threw for 500 yards.
2: So when the Phillies went in 08 and they played the Rays, every you know some people wanted the Red Sox because you better better to beat right. the Red Sox, right. man. Right. I didn't care. They had a parade. Yeah. But to beat the, that, this Super Bowl was getting the Red Sox. This Super Bowl was getting the Patriots, man. The mm-hmm. evil empire, all yeah. that. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, the Flategate gate, all that stuff. Uh, the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Spygate, all that. This was the epitome of what it meant to be a Philadelphia fan, to beat the absolute best. You're the underdog, man. Exactly. It was, And everything played out perfectly. Not only were we like favored in some of the games at home. But we got to—oh, shoot, not, not favorite in the games at home, but— uh, The underdog. So yeah. under, we we're, we're the underdog in those games. Not only was the team winning, but we got to the entire time keep the underdog mentality, which is where this city really flourishes, when they love embracing that mantra.
0: Exactly. Always embracing the underdog. And, again, you saw out in Minnesota, a lot of people, as you said, you know, Mister daughter's graduation, <laughs> this whatever for, for that. Probably
1: pulled out some retirement fund money. You know, totally. Now, <laughs> now, now,
0: a lot of these same people did the same thing a couple of weeks last week, going out to Canton, Ohio— to see to oh, Brian, wow. to see Brian dawkins um that speech was that was that everything you thought it would be
2: it was one of the greatest speeches I've ever seen like in 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 all facets of life mm-hmm. what doc did was use his platform use his time to help other people right he it wasn't just about him it wasn't about his just about his career he opened he led with depression Mm -hmm. and trying to help people deal with that and tell people that you can get beyond that if you've ever struggled with any type of mental illness uh, especially like depression where you're trying to find your own (laughs) self-worth Dawkins going in he's immortalized in the hall of fame right now because he he got through depression yeah for him to open with that and and talk about it so eloquently the way he did it it was like by the time he was done I mean if you didn't want to run through a wall (laughs) seeing him run onto the field every time, if that didn't motivate you to, like, go play football, right. if you're suffering from something like that and you listen to that speech, I don't I, I, don't know how you don't take a big step in the direction of getting out of that funk. And, right. I, and I don't want to belittle it by calling a funk, yeah, but, yeah. but getting out of that mindset. Right. I, I thought his speech was just nothing short of beautiful.
0: And, and just kind of dovetail on that, do you think Dawkins is the most beloved athlete in, in Philadelphia of, of all time, probably of all, at least our
2: lifetime. Um,
0: I mean, I know a lot of the older set says Dr. J. It you know, <laughs> depends on how, you know. How-
2: I love I, I love Dr. J. I, uh, he's he's like, in my mind, Dr. J is like the Philly sports president. Like, I think the guy <laughs> is just so cool, and yeah. I think the way he carries himself is awesome. I think between Dawkins and Chase Utley, uh, the thing that's crazy that I think you would give the nod to Dawkins is that he didn't win a championship. Right. Yet he's on that level with the guy that did, like. Uh, so I think that tells you that he's probably the most beloved. For me personally, I'm an Utley guy, mm-hmm. um, but I know in the sports fandom in that com- in that conversation, people most likely go with Brian Dawkins.
0: What do, you, uh, do you? I think we I
1: think we agree on Dawkins. I mean, and just to just to get back to the speech, it really had like it's it was like a novel where like I, I mean he talked mm-hmm. about the depression and then talked about all the people that helped me. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, he gives this, like, he's like, you think I'm done? No, I got to <laughs> shout out the fans. And, of course, everyone just goes crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, because, like, no, f- for some reason, Brian Dawkins just connected with the fans. And, 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 I, don't, and I don't know whether it's just his, his aura, his, uh, like, the, the vibe he gives off, but he just did more than any. Because that's the thing. If you think about e- Eagles players in general, not many Eagles players have connected with fans. Like, le- mm-hmm. like Brian Dawkins. Because no one from the that 0-4 team really did. McNabb never did. Like, all those good players. But Dawkins just did.
2: One of the questions I get a lot uh, from the national guys that are working for Sunday football uh, is, why isn't McNabb more beloved? He's the most, quote-unquote, successful quarterback the franchise ever had, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And it's like, he just, he you always got the feeling that he was a friend of a friend. Like, some, somebody yeah, brought yeah, him yeah. to the party. Yeah. You didn't yeah. invite him. Yeah. And it was like, I guess I'll deal with this guy. <laughs> uh, but, uh <laughs> Like, Donovan, he tried so hard to fit in. Yeah. And it, sh- it, you know, it doesn't work like that. Like, you don't make someone your friend. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right.
1: he, he was, like, the one person people really didn't care about seeing in, like, all, like, the pictures with the crew. Like, I mean, yeah. people cared more about seeing Hugh Douglas in a picture <laughs> than, like, uh, like no offense to Hugh, but, I mean, you would expect people to all be like, oh, that's awesome. McNabb's with with his boys again. Right. We're like, oh, no, we got B. West. We got Ike. I, I mean, Donovan McNabb was just an afterthought. Like, I mean... He's an afterthought in Philly sports right now,
2: and you saw where his career went went the minute he didn't have Andy Reid. Right, and I remember talking to uh, one of his representatives in Washington when he was down there. Uh, I think it was right before maybe his first or second game with the Redskins. We we did a game down in DC, uh, Landover, and he was telling me is like, his rep was telling me that what the Redskins did with his throwing motion was kind of break it down and. And really, like, hey, this is what you got to do. Like, they really tried to fine tune it. Mm-hmm. And according to Donovan's rep, he said that Andy Reid and the Eagles never did that. Hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, for the for the yeah. quarterback guy that right. worked with uh, Brett Favre, Brett Favre right. and for uh, Marty Morningweg, who you know <clears throat> has worked with some great quarterbacks, you mean to tell me they never bro- broke it down for Donovan the way they're doing it in DC? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, they just never did it. And I, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. And then Donovan's career was pretty much done anyway. I mean, it, it was right. it was over after that. So uh, that was. T- Tough pill to swallow, but uh, that's what they said.
0: We're talking to Mark Farzetta for NBC Sports Philadelphia. We could go on for another hour or two if we could. Okay. But we do need to to wrap it up. There's donuts. Um, Exactly. There's there's donuts and coffee. Um, But before we sign off, please take a few seconds to kind of let everybody know how they can check you out on NBC Sports Philadelphia and follow you on Twitter.
2: Uh, It's very simple on Twitter. Uh, It's at Mark Farzetta. Uh, Mark with a C. Yes. Uh, There's no K in the Italian alphabet. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Uh, uh, Mark with a C. Uh, At Mark Farzetta, F-A-R-Z-E-T-T-A. And uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., awesome. and then various uh, bits and, and interviews and whatnot on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. My latest one is with Kevin Nealon, and make sure you check out the one with uh, me and Chris Long, where I tell him, to his face, that he sucks at football, and we have a laugh about, <laughs> about <him. laughs> oh, man! And awesome. he doesn't suck at football. We're having some fun.
0: Awesome hour, Mark. Thanks, thanks. for coming through, man. That's My pleasure. You guys man. were great. Thank you so through. much.
2: I appreciate you guys having me in.
0: Thank for everybody listening and the donuts. to the show. Yes. Chris McQueen. This is what we do. So <laughs> thanks, for everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you next Saturday at 10 a.m., but until then, we are done. Mr. Domingo, take us out, please. Have a great weekend, everyone. See you guys.